Well, well, here we are at the end of the year. Haven't we had a, a, a really good year? It's been varied. Um, it's been fantastic Christmas services. My goodness, we had fun at Cafe Church 1 and 2. Do you know we had a little clicker? Because we have to watch out for fire eggs now. And we had 493 at the first and 529 at the second, which is pretty blooming amazing. God is so, God is so good and so faithful. And we just hope that people's lives are, are touched and transformed. It's not about numbers. It's about people meeting Jesus. And uh, so the more numbers we have, the more people have a chance to meet Jesus. That's the only reason numbers are good. And um, we, we love you. We love this church. We love doing life together. And another year has, has been completed and we are... Looking forward to everything God has got for us next year in 2020 as we look at that as our vision statement. Jesus, knowing him, loving him, following him and sharing him. We're going to unpack that during uh, 2020 and it's going to be a very exciting time. It's strange though, isn't it, to be talking about Christmas in the past tense already. Do you, do you always find that's a bit weird? Like, it feels like it's just happening. You're in the middle of it. It's like, did you have a good Christmas? You're like, oh, what is it? Is it done already? I can't believe it's already done. And here we find ourselves in Twixtmas. Um, we love that phrase, Twixt the two, Twixt Christmas and New Year. And for a preaching um, theme, that's a tricky one because you're not going to talk about Christmas anymore. And it's just a tiny bit early to be talking about uh, the, the 2020 new fresh start. And so this year we were looking at what could we do. And we thought, you know what? We are a church who, as Stu has already said, we, we're a thankful people. And we need to train ourselves in becoming more thankful. Thankfulness affects so many things. If you think about the, the Israelites when they were set free from Egypt. And they went out with Moses, didn't they, into the wilderness. And they grumbled and complained. And they grumbled and complained. They weren't a thankful people. They just wished they could be back in captivity. They didn't yet have the art of being thankful. And it's, a, it's something that we need to cultivate, cultivate and develop. Because remember, when the spies went out to spy out the promised land, most of them came back with a bad report. Joshua and Caleb came back saying, yeah, it's, it, it may have giants in it. it. It may be a bit frightening at places, but we can surely take it. God is on our side. It's a, it's a great land. It's, got, it's abundant in fruit and supplies. It's a, it's a brilliant place to be. But because of the, the voice of the majority of the 10 others who came back, the whole land went into grumbling and complaining and fear and bitterness. And as a result, none of them were able to enter the promised land. That's why they spent 40 years doing a really short journey. If you look at your map, it doesn't take 40 years to get from one place to the other unless you are trapped in a pattern of grumbling and complaining. And we don't want to be a people who are trapped in that pattern, who don't get to see the fulfillment of everything that God's got for us because we just we, we like whinging and we know how whinging works and we just keep going around that cycle. We need to learn to break that. And I'm not picking on anyone. This is, a, this is something I'm trying to work on in my life more and more. I want to be thankful for every moment. Even when I find myself in the difficult times and difficult situations, surely there's something I can be thankful for. Whether it's a present thankfulness or a thankfulness about something that's gone before or a thankfulness that I'm hoping for, we need to cultivate that in who we are. And so today we're going to be looking at, at what it means to build an altar again together. And we are a church who understands this because we've spoken about it, but not everybody will have heard that we like to build altars of thankfulness and remembrance. What does it mean, though, to build an altar of thanksgiving? What does it actually mean? We do it at Vision Sunday every year and we do it around now. Remember one of my favorite stories is Jehoshaphat in the second book of Chronicles in chapter 20. 
And it's that classic story where you may have heard, you may not, but you may have heard where um, he gets this plan from heaven to send the musicians out at the front of the army, praising and thanking God and singing out ahead of everything, rather than having the, the, you know, the, the pike men at the front or the archers or whatever it's going to be, not da 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 but the other archers. Um, <laughs> They came up with this plan to have the musicians at the front, an absolutely crazy strategy from God, and they saw amazing victory. That's often why we know that story. But actually, before then, there's the situation where the army of the enemy is coming against King Jehoshaphat, and he's worried he doesn't know what to do. So he calls everyone together to pray, doesn't he? He calls a fast for the whole nation, and then he prays. And he, he, the, start, the first half of his prayer is a thankfulness prayer of remembrance lord we we thank you that you have been faithful in the past lord we call to remembrance this situation and we thank you for it we call to remembrance this situation and we thank you for that too and then it's from that place of okay god has been faithful here 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 good my faith is starting to build then he's able to pray look this enemy is coming against us we don't know what to do but our eyes are on you And that's where they get that reply. The battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. What a great reply to have. They still have their part to play, but it changes their perspective as they learn to be thankful and remember the faithfulness. That's what it means to build an altar of thankfulness, to look back at the past and say, thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And what it does in us is it builds faith in our current situation and it builds a hope for the future. When Joshua led the people from that place of grumbling. So Moses had the, the wilderness people. And then Joshua took over when Moses died. And Joshua led the people across the sea into the promised land. And as he led them across, he sort of did something that I think instilled thankfulness into their hearts. They hadn't learned it, but they needed to learn it. And so as they walked over this dry land in the middle of the river, he got all of the 12 tribes, one person from each tribe, to grab a great big stone, you know, like Atlas stones. I love the world's strongest man. And Nikki thinks it's dull to watch people pulling cars, but I love it. Um, and I've already watched one episode today. <laughs> That's what happens when your children get up at five. So um, I'm, quite, I'm kind of built like it. Um, anyway, you can imagine them picking up the... <laughs> This little rock, if it's me, like, oh gosh. But picking up these big stones and taking them to build an altar, very much like this one here, but a bit bigger. And they built this altar. And the people even asked, why are we doing this? Why are we building, why are we taking stones from the middle of the river and sticking them over there? And the reason was so that for generations to come, people will be able to look back when your children ask and say, what's that for? You can say, that is because God rescued us from Egypt and he saw us across here into the promised land. If we can build an altar, it helps us to remember the faithfulness of God. And that is what we're going to be doing today. We don't want to be a people in this church family who panic when troubles come. Because troubles are going to come. And if somebody has sold you a version of Christianity that doesn't include troubles, I'm very sorry, but they've missold it to you. Our Jesus is Emmanuel. He's God with us. He doesn't helicopter us out of trouble, but he, he says he'll walk with us in it. And we don't want to panic when troubles come. We want to have cultivated a thankfulness in God's faithfulness. We want to have cultivated a thankfulness in God's faithfulness that allows us to lean back into his arms when we find ourselves in the middle of a storm. Thankfulness will shape your future. It's shaping mine and will continue to do so and I hope it shapes yours.
many of you who've been journeying with us as a family as we've supported my brother with his battle with cancer this year. Um, it's been an amazing story unfolding. It's been a traumatic story unfolding. Um, it's, there's been so many times of raising a hallelujah in the middle of the storm and letting our song be a weapon when we don't know what else we can do. I just want to thank you for everybody who has joined with us in supporting us as a family in this. And um, it actually gives me enormous pleasure to welcome to the platform today for an interview my beautiful brother, Dave. Follow me. I went to the wrong mic completely. Oh, dear. Just saying my beautiful brother Dave made me cry a bit, so <laughs> let's see how this goes. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. At any stage... Well, if you don't make me cry, she will, so... <laughs> okay, so you're now sort of just checking out how, do, how alike do they look, what are their, how are their mannerisms the same. We do have mannerisms that are the same. Um, my young little pup here, he, he got the better hairline, that's for sure. Although recently you are trying to catch me, aren't you? You're doing quite well. Okay, so um, we're just going to... I've got some questions, but... You know, chatting with your brother, who knows what could happen. We could talk about Spurs instead. Um, so, Dave, in April of this year, we were away in uh, Cornwall for March, beginning of April. And on April's full, April Fool's Day of all days, um, you gave us a phone call, didn't you, to say that things were going on in your life. Do you want to just fill us in with some of the backstory and, and how we got to that moment? Okay, so um, in January, I had an operation on my foot to remove a, a ganglion. Um, that had become quite painful and uh, I heard nothing and carried on as normal um, and it became a bit more problematic and was growing back again so at the end of March I went back to the hospital and said look this is a problem, it's, it's growing back it's becoming more and more painful again so um, they said they'd give me an ultrasound and an MRI on it and etc etc <clears throat> and then I was called back a couple of days later um, to Southend Hospital uh, where I was sat down and told that it wasn't in fact, a ganglion, it had um, tissues in it consistent with malignant melanoma, which is the deadly skin cancer. Um, so at that point, I uh, phoned work, told them that I would probably be off for a while, and phoned nearest and dearest and let them know um, that the battle was back on. I say the battle was back on because when I was 26 in 2005, um, I had already... Um, had a, an issue with skin cancer. It had only been uh, stage one, so it was a case of whip the tumours out and be done with it, and that was fine. Um, but, and in theory, that's what I thought it was this time, but it, it didn't go on to be the case. 
there was quite a few sort of errors made in that early diagnosis, weren't there? Which is, it's very difficult to keep a sweet spirit. Um, but one of the things the church is going to hear about you is that you have an amazing spirit and an amazing ability to stay positive and to keep going. And I want, want to honour you for that. So you got this, this diagnosis that came as a, a massive shock to you. Um, and it came as a shock to them too that you'd had cancer before, didn't it? Like even the medical team didn't realise uh, that you'd had it before, which was a problem. Um, but I know that throughout this process, your belief in God has been pivotal in holding you secured. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, from, from the get-go, from the, from the first moment I had the diagnosis, I didn't have any level of fear whatsoever. I felt surrounded and enveloped in love and support and prayer. Um, it was, you know, it was similar when I'd had it 15 years ago, um, but this time even more so. There was never even a point where I was scared by it. I, I thought to myself, okay, this is something I'm going to have to deal with, um, and I would rather that this was me than anyone else. And and that's how I felt the moment I was told, um, because I felt that I could deal with it. I felt that I could overcome it. I felt that God has plans for me in the distant future not just you know a case of okay this could be the year where it all ends I, I felt confident that I would win the battle against cancer not because I had before because it was more serious this time but I just felt that God was there and he was with me 100% um, and I just felt a peace that I, you can't describe it has to come from God it has, it has actually been amazing, Journey with Dave, that he has, has done a lot more comforting for the family than perhaps we've done for him. And um, the other day, I was with him um, Christmas Eve, wasn't it? Yeah, Christmas Eve. And he was talking about a photo that he'd seen of Saren when she was poorly with chickenpox. And he burst into tears um, about how ill she looked at that moment. And so he has a terrible... He's not very good at dealing with other people who are sick. So it's, in some ways, it was very handy. It was you because you're like, no, I've got this. I'm going to make this through. Um, that sounds terrible. <laughs> you get the gist. Um, he, has been, he has been amazing. And I remember Dave saying right at the beginning, um, in that time in April, that God, God does have a plan for me. And um, it's sort of a, a win-win situation because whatever happens, glory is going to come to God through this, whether I live or whether I don't. God has a plan in it, and good good is going to come from it. So I just, I remember Dave saying, you know, I'm going to take it on. I'm going to smash it. I'm going to do this, so let's just bring it on. And I know that there are other people who feel the same and don't manage to come through the other side. I get that. So please don't think that we are, you know, we don't see that there's other sides to the story. We ourselves as a family lost Nicky's dad a couple of years ago, and we believed in breakthrough over him too. The mystery of why some people are healed and some people aren't is, is, continues to be a mystery and will always be a mystery. But we give glory to God for, for Dave's faith in the middle of all of this. And it's funny, Dave, just to be honest, because Dave isn't a regular church goer, are you? You're not a regular attender of church. And I had made a judgment call in my heart about where he was at in his faith based on that. I didn't think he didn't have faith, but I did wonder where it was at. And um, when you were saying things like that to me about God's plan in all of it and how you, you know, you're just going to do this together, I had such a big kick up the backside from God to say, don't judge people and that where they're at with me just by their church attendance. There's a bit more to it than that. Are you applauding that I got a kick up the butt? You are, Phil. I saw that. Anyway, so then um, 
during the next month, uh, the men, we went away to the Lake District and we were in the minibus waiting for a phone call from Dave to say whether or not this had spread from his foot to anywhere else. And um, Dave, why don't you fill us in what happened next? Okay, so um, <clears throat> I'd had a, a PET CT scan, a cancer scan, um, done at the beginning of April um, to establish whether they had been spread. Um, and <clears throat> for one reason and another, um, you know, I don't want to go too deeply into that, but the hospital that I was being dealt with locally um, didn't really want me to be transferred up to the Royal Marsden, where I was, I was transferred up to the cancer care at the um, Royal Marsden. Um, and they weren't very quick at getting things done or sent off. Um, and it took about six weeks for the results of the cancer scan to be sent up to the Royal Marsden. Um, you know, it happened. Um, when I, when I got to the Marsden and they got the results of the original scan, they said that there had been a spread um, and it, that it had spread from the foot into the lower calf um, and was therefore considered uh, stage four. Um, but they wanted to do an urgent PET CT scan to establish how, far, how much further it had spread in the six weeks in between times. Um, so I had the PET CT scan and then the next day I went back in to get the results. Um, sadly, it had spread... Um, all over the body. There were more than 50 tumours um, compared to the three that there were six weeks previous. Um, I knew really that, that, that there'd been significant spread. Um, I could see and feel, um, most of them were underneath the skin and intramuscular, but I could see or feel at least six or seven, including one in my throat that was increasing in size day by day and I could actually feel my airway becoming tighter and tighter because the tumour was becoming bigger and bigger. Got an example of one of them. Um, okay, that didn't come up, so slide five, please. No, five, please. Five, please. Okay. There we go, so that was, um, that was the one in my, in my foot. That was just one example, one of 50. Um, probably one of the more frightening examples, although I'd kind of lived with it for a number of months thinking it was a ganglion initially. Um, so I'd kind of got used to it. But um, they were accelerating. It's, it's a very aggressive form of cancer um, and quite a frightening one. So, yeah, they, yeah. it was, it was quite difficult to, to be able to see those ones, particularly the one on the throat. That was quite, that was quite daunting, waking up each day knowing that it was slightly bigger but actually at the same time trusting and believing that it was going to be a case of as soon as the treatment starts this starts to reduce and doing everything in my power at the time to put myself in the best physical condition to fight it that was that was really important for me to mentally think positively the whole time physically do everything I could to, to ready myself for battle really you went running with that foot didn't you I did yes went <laughs> yeah. running um regularly exercising regularly doing everything that I could I had to stop playing football which was a real disappointment but um, for obvious reasons as you've just seen but um, yeah but just making sure that I was physically and mentally ready for it Dave has never had such a good diet as he now has it's amazing isn't it you're eating so well um, so here we are we're, we're in the minibus just to, from the other side of things um, and Dave sends a message through to say that it has spread and it's really serious and I remember receiving that message thinking, I, I want to be with my brother. My family are all together in one room while he's telling them about this, and I'm having to find out on WhatsApp. And 
this is tough. And then, so I told the guys in the minibus, and uh, it was a bit quiet at first. And I remember saying, guys, we have got to pray and we've got to sing. Because we've spoken about being Skylarks and having a song in every season. We can't now be quiet, so let's start singing. And we started, we cranked the worship up. Mike cranked the worship up at the front of the van. And we, we, were, we were worshiping away together. We had a fantastic time of worship. And then this lovely posse of people and others out of it, we were walking up Catbells, um, which is here. And when we got to, to the top of Catbells, we built a couple of altars. You know the cairns um, that are at the top of mountains that help you find your way if it's foggy, that kind of thing? Well, I'd asked everybody to take a couple of stones up from the bottom and we put the first stone on a cairn to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness in the past, just as we've been speaking about this morning. And then we went to the second one and my little stone was for my brother. And I, I put it on there with tears and we started singing, I raise a hallelujah at the top of there. And um, we were all praying and standing and believing for you, Dave. We... Also then, a, a, a slightly smaller group of us, we went to the top of England, um, to the top, top of Scarfell Pike. And once again, while we were up there, um, we were singing, we had communion together at the top there. But one of the things we did is all prayed for and sung over Dave. Um, and I've been thinking recently about, um, imagine with me three circles. One has medicine in it. One has miracle in it or faith and one has positivity. I believe that all three of those circles are really important in, in finding healing. We need medicine. We need a, the miracle of amazing medicine. We, I believe we need miracles and miraculous touches from God, and we need to stay positive. And for all of us, there will be a different degree to which we think that's important. Some people think it's all about positivity and medicine and a tiny bit of like, God, if you're there, help. But that's the only faith they've got. That's fine. That's like a mustard seed, and that seems pretty good to me. There'll be other people who think that it's all about faith and you don't need the others. But I think it's, it's healthy to have a tension between the three and know that God can use all of those things. He uses the miracle of medicine. He uses the miracle of a touch. That's why we're singing on the top of a mountain, not so that immunotherapy works, so that God works. And then also this guy and all of his friends, they're so positive. The, the positivity that surrounded you, I believe, has had a huge impact too. So... There we were. There's, there's that one on your foot. And then you started treatment, didn't you, Dave? Yeah. Um, but before we get to that, we'll get that one getting a bit more inflamed. Do you like that up there? Should we leave that or go somewhere else? You don't like that at all. Let's go there. Um, so you can see Dave's in a bad place, 50 of those tumours. Um, how bad has it got for you over this story? Um, it, it got pretty bad, but it was, I don't know, I, I just kind of felt protected from the worst of it. Um, in terms of the worst it got, once I'd had... Um, hello, darling. Um, once, once I'd had the immunotherapy, the first uh, couple of doses of immunotherapy, I was supposed to have a couple more doses and then continue on one of the drugs for two years. Um, but I had complications, difficulties, as a result of the two doses that I did receive. It's, it's, it's highly toxic stuff. And it stays with you forever, so some of the side effects are permanent. Um, but as you can see, I'm perfectly fine. Um, the most difficult to deal with um, would be uh, a couple of weeks after the second dose, I had onset of uh, hepatitis, autoimmune hepatitis, that um, my liver was rapidly failing. Um, <clears throat> so I had to go on to an incredibly high dose of steroid. Um, the high dose is normally considered to be about 60 milligrams of steroid, and I was on 170 um, initially um, to get the liver back under control. Um, 
There have been other considerable complications, um, difficulties. Um, have, oh, one thing that was quite scary was going to the stroke unit because I woke up one morning and couldn't feel the side of my face, couldn't feel my left arm, um, and was taken into the stroke clinic for tests and um, <clears throat> to basically start taking medication to ensure that a full stroke couldn't develop. Um, <clears throat> that actually turned out to be some kind of horrible uh, medical, or sorry, physical response uh, in the form of a migraine, whereby a side effect from the treatment I was taking creates migraines in me that gives me numbness in various places, in my, in my face, in my mouth, um, in my arm. That was, that was hard to deal with, and actually, probably, that was the scariest moment. I was downstairs just giving Phoebe her breakfast and suddenly just went completely numb in the left side of the face and had to go to A&E. That was pretty terrifying. Um, there have been other things to kind, kind of try and cope with, severe headaches, um, feeling sick. Um, probably, I'm probably forgetting some of the more obvious ones. But, teeth. Oh, yeah, my teeth. I've had to have um, work done on my teeth that I wouldn't otherwise have needed because for some reason it's um, created an exposure of dentine, which meant that I couldn't eat anything, not even bread, without being in a lot of pain. So I've had dental work done to counter that. That has, that has worked. Um, <clears throat> yeah, lots of... Lots of things to put up with, but um, rather me than you, to be honest. That's how this, it has always been. This is what Dave always looks like when he's having his treatment. He always looks happy, sends us a little happy selfie. And I went to the Marsden with him one time, and it's genuine. You are, you've been absolutely phenomenal throughout it. Okay, so it, it's been a, tough. There's been tough times. But how throughout it all have you sort of seen the fingerprints of God at work? And, and how has your faith sort of sustained you on this journey? Um, I think having, having a mindset, I've always had a mindset with faith that whatever happens, happens, and I'm not going to be cross if things go wrong. I'm not going to blame God if things go wrong. If I pray for something or I want something and it doesn't pan out, for example, where I wanted it to be stage one and it turned out to be stage four, it's not a case of moping and blaming God from my point of view. It was a case of, okay, this is now the card. these are the cards I've been dealt, this is the situation I'm in, and therefore I'm going to change my prayer to reflect that and, and hope that my new prayer is, is one that God is going to answer. Um, and it was important, obviously, in the early stages. Um, I think in May, I asked my consultant how long I might have, and he said it could be um, as little as six weeks. Now, obviously, having my two-year-old and my lovely wife and my family, um, that's quite hard to cope with. But you, I kind of just had to steel myself and, and say, right, this, these are the things I need to sort out. I need to make sure my will is good. I need to make sure that everything is set for the future if the future for me is just six weeks long. Um, God, through that, has basically given me a strength and a positivity and, and an ability to cope with whatever news came my way, if it had been six weeks, I'd have made the most of six weeks. I wouldn't have blamed God for it. You know, people a lot younger than me have died of cancer. Children die of cancer. It's, you know, it, I couldn't sit there having cancer and think, oh, if I, if I don't get some good news soon, then I'm going to give up on God. That's not, that's not the way for me. It's a case of whatever news comes, however bad it gets, keep trusting, keep believing, and keep making the most of life. That, that was really important. Awesome. Um, 
The other thing I'd add, in, you know, the question was, how has, how has God been with you through all of this? He's been with me since before it. He knew it was going to happen. He was there at the outset. He was there at the diagnosis. He was there every stage of the journey. He's surrounded me with love. He's surrounded me with positivity. He's given me clarity in the way that I think. He's given me friends and, and the most awesome family I could possibly wish for. Um, he's just been 100% wrapped around me the whole time. And actually, one of my friends who um, has no belief in God whatsoever and is a 100% atheist, um, at the outset of it, when I told him what I was going through, um, he sent me um, footprints, which is obviously a really well-known... And he said, he, he said, you know, I know, you know that I don't believe this, Dave, but I know that you believe it, and if anyone deserves it, it's you. I want to send you this, this poem. And it was footprints. So you, um, you've had some lows, but the immunotherapy started to take effect very quickly, didn't it? This, am I right in thinking this is the before and after with a 10-day difference? Yes. So this is Dave's foot 10 days after the treatment started. It's not a very nice foot, but it's a great... It's a lovely foot. It's a, it's a great It's a image. good job we're not doing foot washing today. <laughs> Just look up there for a bit. Yeah. That's a great foot, Dave. And the great thing is that impact is huge isn't it how's yeah. the, what's the journey been like for you know on the way up what's the news where are we what's going on um okay so the in the impact was instant i mean my foot became it looked like a raging fire it went bright red about four hours after the first dose of immunotherapy and when i spoke to the consultant she said you know this is a really good sign it means that there's some kind of um response from your body which is what the immunotherapy tries to to do it tries to boost your immune system into action um since then, I've just had the two doses, but it's continued to get more and more control to the point where, um, at the most recent scan in November, um, it has complete control over the cancer. Um, it's not a case of it's gone, it's still there, and I suppose with this type of cancer, it's not a case of you're in remission or it's a cure. There is no cure at the moment, but it's completely under control. Um, and that's the absolute best case scenario I could have hoped for. Is, is for the cancer to be under control. Um, Dave, just to, Dave, that means that we don't, you don't have any tumours at the moment. I don't have do any tumours. All 50 of them have disappeared completely. <laughs> the, um, the other... I've, I've lost my train of thought there, sorry. I was doing so well. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, the, the, one of the key things with, with this... Um, type of cancer and something that was really key to me and actually maybe has given me a lot more perspective is that this treatment is relatively new it only started in this country in 2017 and if you go back to 2016 if I'd have had what I had my chances of living beyond six months were four percent um, and now um, I have quite an aggressive Typical me, I have a mutation on the cancer which makes it more aggressive and more serious. But for people who, who have this type of cancer who would have had a 4% chance three years ago, the chance of a response now to the treatment is 53%, which is absolutely stunning. Um, and the case now is, is hope that the body keeps it under control. I have no doubt it will. I'm just, com just confident it will. Um, and, and wait for that miracle cure. Wait, it, it's there somewhere. It's a case of, you know, keeping it under control, doing what I need to do, um, and waiting.
Um, but there are people who have had um, the treatment in this country who are now five years and counting of having complete control over the cancer. So it's good. I, I often think this is a bit like ARVs when it came to HIV treatment. You know, initially the ARVs came out and they gave you a bit longer and then it was like, oh, you could have five years. And the only reason they say five years is they've got no data beyond five. And then it's like, oh, could be ten. And as... We're just believing over my little bro that he is always going to be alive for the next stage of development of the drugs. And one stage, one day it will be, well, we expect you to have a full, long life. We're going to be lovely old men together, Dave. Um, Absolutely. Rocking chairs, the lot. It's going to be amazing. So here's a couple of things that have sort of helped you through it. This was given today by one of his friends. If you can't see that, one day you will tell your story of how you've overcome what you're going through now and it will become, it will become part of someone else's survival guide. We believe that to be true, don't we? And there he is. And then there's this one as well, which is amazing. That's beautiful, isn't it? And uh, Dave, what were you going into for this scan? Because I think it's really funny. <laughs> Um, that, was, uh, the, that was when I was actually admitted to the stroke clinic to have tests done because um, they'd potential mini stroke when I had the um, numbness in my left arm, etc. Um, but and it's really indicative. The way forward, though, isn't you? it? You know, it's the best way rather than going the other way. You can laugh or cry, so I always laugh. Yes, you do. Okay, so, Dave, um, where are you up to then? So we know, we know that it's, man it's managed, it's being held. The thing with, the thing with immunotherapy is that some, some cancer treatments use drugs, some use radiation. This one uses your own immune system and just sort of takes, takes the mask off cancer and enables your own body to fight it. So your own body is holding this thing in check and we're going to continue to stand with you um, through every high and low that may be in your future. And and declare healing over you, that this will never again turn into another tumour in your body. But what else can we pray for? What, what else is going on in, in life? And in your family as well, if there's anything we can pray for as a church family? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it takes its toll. Um, generally, um, my, my wife has had some poorly health recently through um, stress-induced kidney stones. Um, and then had surgery in uh, early December, which had its own complications. We're just kind of, you know, I love every year, but 2019 hasn't been the greatest. I'm really looking forward to 2020, knowing and trusting and hoping that it's going to be an amazing year. Um, <clears throat> in asking for things, there's so many things to be thankful for. You know, I have a two-year-old who is as sharp as a tack and takes on board everything. And, I, and when daddy's lying in bed at two o'clock in the afternoon she's not silly she knows that something was amiss and she has coped amazingly well and she's just been protected by God throughout all of this um, I suppose going forward as well just there are ongoing problems I have ongoing problems with fatigue um, it's a big and perhaps permanent problem but with God's help nothing that is negative is permanent um, I hope that um, that's something that I can come to terms with before returning to work because needing a four or five hour sleep in the afternoon when you're trying to teach 30 children is, is going to be quite challenging um, and full-time teaching for anyone who knows about it um, holidays are lovely but when you're actually in term time it's one of the most full-on jobs you can imagine um, so fatigue's not really very helpful with that so um, praying that the fatigue can diminish and disappear would be wonderful 
Um, and then there are a couple of more personal um, things um, that I won't go into. Um, health, a couple of health complications that I could do without um, that are ongoing. And uh, a couple of um, situations around family um, that I could really use some prayer with um, without going into too much detail. I hope you'll forgive me for not going into too much detail, but some things are between me, family, and God. <laughs> um, so we're, we're drawing to a close soon, but I, I, I just want to say on behalf of us as a church family, Dave, we are going to continue to pray for you and hold you up and uh, see you get to the other side of this. Um, and <clears throat> you know that I shared with you some time ago... Um, quite near when it was first diagnosed, or at least when the spread came, that I imagined Dave was going to... I could see Dave walking around the corner of there, into the church, cancer-free, and the church stood up and applauded. Don't you think it's beautiful that we were able to stand up and applaud this morning what God has done, and how, how faithful God is? And what's amazing as well is I spoke to my mum two days ago, mum, and mum had a dream, and we haven't conferred on this, mum had a dream soon after Dave got his diagnosis. And in her dream, she saw Dave at this church walking around that corner and everybody standing up because he was cancer-free. So we both had the same thing. I've told you about it, but mum kept it to herself and, and we've seen it come to pass. Although you weren't walking around the corner, let's give God a round of applause for what he's done. Um, if, I could, if I could just take one more minute of your time before I just go and sit back down. I do like to talk, you've probably noticed. Um, but, um, you know, my friends, my family, more churches than I knew existed around the world have all been so wonderful through this. But um, I do want to give a, a, a very, very heartfelt thanks to each and every one of you and everyone, every member of this church that's not here today um, because it has made such... A difference. Uh, it's made such a difference just to the way I feel. I think God has given me a particular peace, but he gives that th because people are asking for that and people are praying and people are thinking. Um, and I think the fact that people have loved me, cared for me, thought about me, prayed for me has made, um, you know, the single biggest difference um, to the journey that I've been on since April. And it really, you know, sometimes I look at it and I think, I don't even understand how I'm so calm about things that have gone on. But then I just look to heaven and think, okay, it's because people have been praying for this. People have been asking for this. So thank you from the bottom of my heart to each and every one of you. Wow. What a great story. What a lovely way to to end the year.